Well, hey there, podcast listeners. Today we're covering the fourth message in our series on Romans chapter 8. Remember, you can get all of these resources and message manuscripts at PursueGodNetwork.org. Just check out our sermon library there. And I'm on the call with Pastor Ross and Pastor Scott. They're going to walk us through this fourth message. So uh, let's see, Scott, why don't we start with this? Why don't you go back, give us just a quick little 60-second summary of the message that we're coming out of from last week, message three, why later is better than now. Right. So our last message dealt with verses 18 through 27. And let me just say that as we look at going into the fourth week of a series, I don't think you need to kind of uh, regurgitate every point of every week up to this point in your message. That gets really long and boring. Um, So don't do that. But uh, last week we talked about because of sin, the world is not what it ought to be. Uh, And so this idea here is that creation is cursed because of human sinfulness. And so natural disaster, disease, famine, Uh, These things come about because of human sinfulness. They're not natural. Uh, They're not supposed to be that way. When God created his creation, it was good. Uh, So humans messed it up. And creation is looking for future glory. And that's the second point. God's creation and his children have the hope of future glory. And so uh, it's not only creation that is under a curse and groans, but uh, followers of Jesus are under a curse and groan. Um, Even though we have the Holy Spirit, which is a deposit of our future glory. Um, We have the struggle of sin. We have the struggle of our own physical limitations, uh, our own wasting away. Uh, And all this is meant to develop patience in us as we hope for the future. And we even have God's spirit himself who is in us and who knows what we need, even though we can't verbalize it. He knows what we need and he brings it to uh, God the Father and prays on our behalf. And uh, as a result of all this, we then went back to verse 18, the beginning of this paragraph, and we said that the joy of the future is greater than our current suffering, that no matter how bad it gets now, what God has in store for us is greater. And uh, hopefully we really painted that picture of um, the, the wonder of future glory, which is so much better than current sufferings. Okay, so then, Ross, that leads to the message we're talking about in today's podcast, message number four of five in this series on Romans chapter eight. And the message title here, I love this, is uh, I Know God's Will for Your Life. And here it is. Okay, so walk us through just a quick little overview of this, and then we'll break down each point. So coming out of the last uh, message, the question question is, you know, how how do we make it till the future? Uh, You know, later is better than now. But so this is going to, this passage is going to have that future in mind, that future inheritance or that future uh, uh, blessing in mind, but it's going to also deal more with what's happening in the meantime. And so we're going to say that, you know, you're saved so that you'd become more like Jesus. And God's going to use everything that happens in our lives for that purpose. And he's guiding that purpose from the start to the finish. And so um, all the stuff that's happening in our life now in this broken world, um, it has purpose. So here's the main points I want to play out is God is always working for the good of his people. And that makes sense when we talk about all the stuff that we're undergoing. And then secondly, God's plan is to make you more like Jesus. And that links this life now with the future that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is God is at work in every step from earth to heaven. That gives us hope and confidence. Yeah, and the structure of this is really simple because it's three verses, three points. So the first point is verse 28, then verse 29 for the second point, and verse 30 for the third point. So thank you. Apostle Paul for making this sermon so easy, right? right? Yep. Ross, how are you going to set up the sermon? How are you, you know, what, what are you going to do to sort of 
grab people's attention as you move into these points? Okay, there's a couple of ways that I, I have thought about doing that. Um, with the idea that God's purpose is to make us more like Jesus, that lends itself to um, a metaphor of an artist. You know, so I, I could use, I'm thinking about using illustrations relating to sculpture later on. And so I might talk about, um, you know, famous sculpture or experiences I've had in an art museum. That might be a little um, esoteric for certain people. Mm -hmm. Another way to approach it that's a little more um, risky because it's emotive, very emotive, is to tell a couple stories of people of suffering mm. and just and then ask the question, why? Why did God do, allow that? Why did, why did God, what's God doing here? Is God active and involved? And set up the questions that we're going to answer yeah. in the message itself by telling some maybe challenging stories. Is there something there, Scott, maybe for you, I don't know if you've thought about this yet, but is there something there on possibly coming off of the idea of God's will for your life? Because I know for a lot of people, that's a, that's a real hooky title, right? I want to know what God's will is for my life, right? Is that, is that something you might use as a hook at the beginning? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I mean, that could go a few different ways. I could imagine, you know, I have four kids. I could talk about, I have a will, you know, here's my will for my kids' lives mm -hmm. and something and kind of humorously, you know, put that out there. I could say, you know, I, I have three boys and I want them to be this, this and that. And my daughter, I want her to be a nun. And, uh, you know, she's already <laughs> signed a contract to do that. You know, That's so. good. That's good. I'm going to so use that one. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because we're, what we're doing is we're trying to get people thinking about, you know, uh, intent, you know, God's intent. You know, I think that's a great way to do it because God has intentions for us, just like I have intentions for my kids. That's mm, yes, good. And I think for some people that might rub them wrong, but I think it's really easy to say, come on, do you, do you want your kids to be a bum on the side of a road? Of course you don't. So you ha don't pretend like you don't have intentions for your kids either, right? It's not that I, I would be sad if they, you know, we're not the presidents of the United States, but I actually, I would be sad if they were probably, but <laughs> I, you know, I, I do have a goal. Everyone has goals. Everyone has expectations. And I think that's a great way to get into it is God does have an expectation for your life. It, Cause remember to me, point two is really the heart of the message is that, that God's will really his plan is to make you more like Jesus. That's really his will. It's not to, it's not to make you, make you YouTube famous or something. It's to make you more like Jesus. Right. Yeah, and that's our second, that'll be our second point. Right. So opening the first point, I just want to, it's a basically a simple assertion. In the verse, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him or called according to his purpose. Now, it may we may have to play out, tease out here that God's good might not be the same thing we think is for the good. Right. We think well, that means a promise that God's going to make us uh, free from any kind of struggle or make our life easy. But God, but we're going to see what God's good is in the next point. Yeah. And by the way, Ross, Romans eight twenty eight is such a popular mm -hmm. verse for Christians, at least maybe not for non Christians, but for Christians, it's so popular. And we've got several videos on this verse in the library. I encourage preachers as you prep to watch those videos because they do a good job of explaining how sometimes this passage is taken out of context. Right. And so what I want to do is is talk about that a little bit, how um, our ideas of the good, they might not even be selfish, but they're the questions that we have about life that uh, I want to know, wait, where does, what, 
who does God want me to marry? Does he want me to marry someone? Mm. Uh, where does he want me to go to school? What job should I take? What major should I, you know, when should I retire? Those are the things we think of when we think of, you know, God's will for our life. Um, but really, it's those are secondary, but they're important. But what he's getting at is he has a greater plan even than all that. And that's, that's what leads us into the second point. Say, all the things that God is working in our life through suffering, through trials, through good and bad times, they're all for a purpose. The purpose is not just so you know what job to take. Yeah. The purpose is so, point two, God's plan is to make you more like Jesus. Yeah, that's his purpose. That's his will. That's his goal, is he's allowing the good and the bad to come into your life so that you would be conformed more to the image of Christ. Right. So that you'd have a beard and, and become you know, have long hair, long hair, right. however, <laughs> right. However we picture Jesus. So we become look to look like him. No, because um, the, the word image in the Bible has a physical, sometimes it is a physical thing. Like yeah. it's a, it's a face stamped on a coin. Yeah. But um, often it's also uh, talking simply about um, traits yeah. or character or traits. So um, Christ, it says, is the in, the image of the invisible God. And so how do we become more and more like Jesus, more like his traits, more like his character? Um, not necessarily physically at all, but, but who he is, what he's all about. And then, Ross, you pivot then into the last point, which is kind of the, a broader point now from verse 30, that he, he is at work in every step from heaven to earth. What do you mean by that? Well, the verse 30 is interesting because it, it gives this chain of kind of steps or phases. You know, uh, having chosen them, he called them. Having called them, he justified or gave them right standing. Having justified them, he glorified them. So so what do we make of that? Well, it, it shows um, this process, this process that takes it from beginning to end that you know, glorified, that's the final state. That's what we've been talking about in the last few weeks, right. the inheritance and, and the and the, the future's better than the present. Um, so here's what that here's what that looks like. It looks like becoming like Jesus. The assurance here is that God is at work all the way from the beginning, all the way to the end. He's not gonna drop the baton. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so let's do this. Let's let's go back up and let's break down these points just let's get into a little bit bigger detail on these points. So so um, point up, we talked about the hook already. Point one, then Ross, you say is God is working for the good of his people. Verse 28, are you, when you're preaching that, are you going to give an example? You know, it, verse 28 says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. It seems to me that that might be a good opportunity to say, here's an example of that in my own life or in someone mm-hmm. else's life. This thing mm-hmm. happened to them and they thought it was horrible or whatever. Right. And then later on, here's what, here's what happened. Yeah. I'm still looking for the very best story for that. I yeah. can, ex- I can illustrate that from my own life in some ways. You know, that's a philosophical point when you're preaching. You, you do want to illustrate some things from your own life, as long as they don't, like, make you just the hero all the time. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you don't want to be talking about yourself all the time. And so, you know, how often do you use stories and illustrations from your own life? So if I can find something from somebody else's life, uh, that would be better here. Yeah. I haven't decided what that story is yet. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, so then what else? As as people are preaching this first point, it, again, it seems to me that this is one where you could give it, you could give a little too much away if you're not mindful of the the arch of of the the whole sermon. Right. And so, actually, I'm going to move fairly quickly through this. Okay. Um, it, when I preach this, I really want to get to the second point in a sense. I probably put most of my weight in defining what that means and what that even is to become like Christ. So. 
Um, I'm not going to spend too much time. I, I want to give uh, spend enough time to let people know, hey, you know, God is at work. I and I have. Um, I can relate to your your story a little bit, have, have them feel a little bit of comfort and a little bit of identification with their suffering. But but what they really want to get to is um, is the the reason for that and the purpose that somebody once said that uh, you can go through anything if you feel like it's got a purpose. Right. And so I think people are always looking for purpose in their suffering. Yeah. Like why? Why did God allow that? Why did that happen? You know, even people who don't believe in God are going. Why did that happen? Yeah. And so that's why I want to, you know, give this encouragement by getting to the second point and really show there is as much greater purpose involved in anything. Ross, before we get to that point, one other question about this first point. It says in the verse that God does this for the, for the good of those who love God. So are you going to address that? Like, who is this promise for? Are you going to share the gospel here? Is this a, is this a good place to kind of address the elephant in the room, you know? Well, I was planning, my approach here, I was planning to connect that enough to the book of Romans chapter 8 to explain who that is. And so this is the, if they've been following along with the series, then this is the same person who is uh, born of the Spirit and who has the Spirit, lives by the Spirit in in week one. It's the same person who's been adopted as a child of God in week two and so forth. Okay, so Scott, for you then, is this where, for you personally, is this where you're going to come in and then just maybe quickly share the gospel here and invite people? Maybe people have been coming for this whole series and they're maybe still on the fence. Is this where you say, just give a little invitation for people to sign, sign up for this thing? Uh, yeah, perhaps. Um, I mean, there'll still be a really good gospel opportunity at the, at the end, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I think I could, I, I would certainly start paving the way. You know, one thing I like to say, um, I mean, I agree with everything that's been said about this passage and how it applies, but I just really like to say what, one of the things that Romans eight twenty eight means is that God's in the details of life. Mm. Um, and so, you know, God's not far off. God's not distant. God's not, um, forgotten about you. He works in all things, and so all things means all things, and so yeah. he's he's in the details of your life, uh, which I think's comforting for yeah. me. It's good, it's good. Okay, so then Ross, the second point, we move on to. Okay, so number one, God God is working for the good of His people, and then number two, here's here's what He's working toward. Right, God's plan is to make you more like Jesus. Verse twenty nine. Unpack that for us. Right, and so the the tricky thing here is. Uh, again, partly depending on your audience. The tricky thing here is this is not teaching that, you know, we're going to end up somehow becoming little gods or, or, or there's a, there's still a, a barrier between deity and humanity, between creator and creature, that we're going to be like like the sun, but not in that ultimate sense of deification that might be uh, relevant in some settings. Mm-hmm. Um but what does it really ultimately mean to to be like Jesus or to be uh, formed like Jesus? And and this is where you know in our setting, I'm going to go back to uh, the pursue God circle that mm-hmm. helps us to define of what maturity in in life looks like. So you know the the second arrow of that circle is about um, living to honor God. Well, that's God wants to make our character look more like Jesus' character. Mm. So we love God more, we love people more, we see the fruit of the Spirit in our life so that, so that the, we're being shaped into um, the kind of person that honors God the way Jesus honored mm-hmm. God. And then the third arrow of our circle uh, talks about 
our mission as as believers. And so being made more like Jesus, I don't want to just leave it with character yeah, issues. Yeah. I want to include because Jesus literally invited us into his mission. Right. And so to be like to become more and more like Jesus is to identify more and more with his mission, his purpose, and to to live for God and serve others and make disciples. Yeah, and we call it, we call it mentoring at Pursue God and, and on a I can think of a dozen of a dozen examples of people who had a porn addiction and now God leverages that to they can mentor people who have porn addictions mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. this is a great example to me of how God he's he's at work for the good of his people and then now his plan is to make his people more like Jesus to go help the next person who went through that trial or that struggle or or maybe even who had that victory you know they're you're a good right. businessman right so look God didn't just do that so that you would be rich and can drive several Teslas. God did that so that maybe you're the you're uniquely qualified to go on mission and help someone else who can relate to you, right? Right, exactly. Okay, so um, for for Scott, for you as you're preaching this one, are you is there anything else you're drawing out when you're talking about making God's plan make being to make you more like Jesus? Well, I I think um, I, I think you've you've all done such an excellent job putting it together. Um, I mean, it, it also just sort of means you know pay attention when you read the Gospels and the life of Jesus. Yeah. You know what is I mean, just simply like what is how does Jesus act? What is what does Jesus think is important? Right. What is Jesus? What makes Jesus mad? Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, and uh, go and do likewise. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, is some of what that means. Yeah, that's really helpful. I, I, one more thing I, I want to make sure that our listeners understand here at this point, this is the place where we can connect the dots with the theme of suffering mm. that we've been talking about all along the way. Because sometimes to become more like Jesus, the only way to get there is through God's discipline in mm-hmm. our life. Um, the only way to get there is through some pain, maybe, um, that purifies away the things in us that don't look like Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? So I think this is where the suffering theme comes comes into play. We really fully get the ultimate purpose, uh, maybe more fully than we've explored it in the previous weeks, to say that, you know, God sometimes just needs to maybe take a hammer and and whack away stuff in our life that doesn't look like Jesus. That's mm-hmm. going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's going to hurt. That's good. You know, it, it, one of the things I, uh, I'll say, I'm still working on this message myself, but I think what I'll try to do here also is I'll connect it to the hook. If the hook is about me as a dad having an intention f- for my kids, now, again, this is God's intention for me. I think what, an interesting sermonic device might be to say, well, what, what could the other options have been? What other, like, what, what purpose could God have had if it wasn't to make us more like Jesus and to re, to kind of understand the futility of the other purposes right. and how supreme this purpose is that he re, he really cares that much about your character your mission he cares that much about who you are to me i think that really helps us to um expose the the sort of you know uh, faith only you know confession mm-hmm. of faith only type of christian right which is what we talk about in one of the other messages at what was it message one, right? right. Living like a dead man. I think this can kind of, there's shades of that back in here again is he really does care about this. Like he really does have this intention for your life. He has this incredible goal for your life. 
that you be more like Jesus, right? So quit, quit living like a dead man, right? To bring it, bring us back to how we started this whole series. So then we go to this last point. Okay. So point one, God is working for the good of his people. Point two, he's working with this purpose in mind. His plan is to make you more like Jesus. And then finally, Ross, you say that his work, he is at work in every step from heaven to earth. And this is where I can, I think we could get theologically in the weeds a little bit if we're not careful. So walk us through this point. Right. This is, it can be a challenging passage. So now we're using the New Living Translation and it talks about having chosen them. He called them to come to him and so forth. But if you have probably any other translation where it says chosen, it's going to read predestined. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to, re- and in verse 29, he talked about God's foreknowledge. And so we're going to have to wrestle with, at some level, with that question of um, divine election and predestination. What does that mean? And um, so for me, the approach I've taken, I know that in our setting, um, we have a wide variety of people representing different views on that. And um, so I've tried to take, take it and just say it. This is important to understand that God chose, that God chooses, um, that God calls. But, but I've, I've kind of punted on this a little bit because the point here, I don't want to lose the point. Mm. The point is that is that God is able to see us through on this. It's a, the point is assurance that no matter what, how bad life gets or how bad the suffering gets, or, uh, and this is, um, this is foreshadowing what comes in the fifth week, no matter how bad it gets, that God is still involved. He's at work. Like Scott said, he's at work in the details. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I'm going to uh, punt on that just a little bit and just really emphasize the idea of God's activity, God's initiative, God's working through and through from A to Z. But it is in the slide deck, right? Verse 30 is in the slide deck for people who are using our slides. So, Scott, for you, are you just going to kind of kind of read that that word chosen and not address it? How are you going to deal with that? Well, it's uh, one of these things where it's very difficult to get into something quickly and adequately. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I really like how Ross has put this together because I think uh, it holds together the integrity of the original intention, Mm -hmm. um, which is to say God's got this when it comes to our salvation. I might make a, I I don't know. I, I might make a passing reference about there's some, you know, question among Christians about exactly how this works. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, God chooses us. Uh, What I I like here is to say something along the lines of, you know, before, before God made anything, you know, he had you in mind Mm -hmm. and he had, he had chosen you, um, uh, e- even if we're not going to get into the what was the basis of that choosing, mm-hmm. uh, he, you know, he chose you. The idea of calling, you know, bef- like from your earliest moments, you've been called by God. God's been to me. That's very. I mean, I, I just love that uh, the the fact that God's been calling on us. He's been active in our lives long before we had our moment of faith. You know, God's been mm-hmm. working. Uh, he justified us. He made us. He saved us in Christ. He's sanctifying us. He's truth toing us, you know, if you will, oh, for pursue good. God. Ooh, and uh, and then well, and then He's going to glorify us. And so I don't really have to worry. I don't need to. I don't need to worry that I'm going to, um, you know, sort of disqualify myself because God's got this all in His hands. And so, um, 
So, you know, I don't know if it's sidestepping a little bit, but I think that is the heart of the passage. And at the risk of self-promotion, um, I, you know, on Pursue God, mm-hmm. I, I have videos on Calvinism and Arminianism, and I have one on election and yep. predestination that really deals in detail with this. And so if you, if you yeah. feel a little um, unfamiliar with some of these things, I'd yeah. encourage you to check those out. Uh, yeah, I would because, encourage the preachers to to watch those in preparation. Not that you're going to cover those those details, but even so that you can say, because Scott, this is what I would do here at this point in the sermon. I might even make a joke about it. I'm like, oh man, okay, let's let's spend some time on this word chosen. You know, some of you have wondered about predestination and Calvinism, and mm-hmm. and so we're up. Oh, you know what? I'm out of time. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, or something yeah. like that, right? But to say, listen, there's content on this. This is just another great way to plug mentoring and small groups and, you know, check out that content. There's, there's some great stuff on here, but here's the main point, right? Here, uh, back to what you and Ross are both saying. Here's the main point, right? Here's what, here's what God mm-hmm. is really saying here. However, however you land on that doctrinal debate that you might want to get into with your small group or your mentor, right? And then get to the, get to the point. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And and probably the people that have questions about Calvinism and Arminianism are going to come up and ask you questions no matter what you say. Exactly. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so it is what it is. And they probably already have their answers in mind that they want. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But it is a popular topic. It's one of our most popular topics on our site, which is interesting mm-hmm. to me. Um, it's Scott, it's probably because it's you and you did such a good job on <laughs> those videos. But it is it, kind of a it, clickbaity type of topic, but I don't think you want to get sidetracked. For preachers out there, don't you know, you could really get really in the weeds, I think, if, you, if you're if you not cautious on that particular point. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if, Ross, how are you going to land this plane? How are you going to, how are you going to close this particular sermon? Yeah, I, I'm going I'm to, I think I'm just going to try to um, get people to a place of awe a little bit. Wow, this is what God wants to do in your life. This is God's will. Kind of coming back to God's will, mm-hmm. you know, hey, great, you can pray about all those other things, but wow. God has something in mind for you that is so incredible, and he's working. So I want to end with kind of comfort and confidence. Yeah. Again, back, kind of back to hope. Yeah, for me, for you pr- new preachers out there, I always, if it, whenever I can, I try to connect my, my clothes with my hook, right? So if I'm hooking on, I have intentions for my kids, now I close with, God, listen, you're a child of God. We talked about that in week three. God has intentions for you, but they're good. They're all good intentions, even better than my intentions for my kids. You can trust them, et cetera, et cetera, right? And close mm-hmm. yeah. close with something like that. Scott, anything else from you on this message? Well, I I, I think it just all, again, points to the importance of community. Um, I mean, becoming more like Jesus is not, you're not going to, it's not going to happen on its own. Mm. Uh, like just, it's not just a you and God thing is, you know, it's That's a, good. it's a group thing. Yeah. Um, we're, we're in this together. So um and that's the heart of it, really. I mean, I, I don't want to. I, I wouldn't want to get after people that want to debate theology because mm. I, I like to debate the theology. Um, I, mean, I know you guys do too in the appropriate context, but let's not miss the big point, which is there is a, you know, are are we are we becoming more like Christ mm. or or not? Um, and uh, anyway, yeah, I, I think that's a, it's a big call to do that in community with one another. Yeah, that's good. So yeah. the message is called. I know God's will for your life, and here it is. It's message four in our Romans 8 series out of five messages. Uh, The points are God is always working for the good of his people. 
God's plan is to make you more like Jesus, and God is at work in every step from heaven to earth. Again, to find more sermon resources, including our slide decks and manuscripts from Scott and Ross, and so much more at PursueGod.org or PursueGodNetwork.org, and make sure to check out our sermon library there.